One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. I want you to get your Bibles, Bible apps, and some notes to jot some stuff down. Get that Bible opened up to the book of Acts, chapter number 20, verse 35, Acts 20. 35. Today I'm starting a four message series entitled Heroes. Every year I like to do a, a Heroes series because the Bible, it's a collection of stories. Uh, the Bible is written by about 40 different authors who are all inspired by God to write this huge, massive love letter that so beautifully and intricately flows together from God to all of creation. And we're part of the creation. Uh, the Bible is timeless. The Bible's true. And today, more than ever, there's more, there is more scientific, there is more literary, and there is more archaeological evidence to the reality that God's word is true than ever before. And I believe the Bible, and I believe all of it. When I was a kid, we had something called Sunday school. How many of you guys did Sunday school when you were a kid? A few of you, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did Sunday school. Now, I, I don't know. The, I think the terminology is, is a little scarier now for kids. Like, hey, kids, let's go to Sunday school. It's like, no, we did school all week. I don't know. We just call it something different now. But we did Sunday school when I was a kid, and, and I loved it. What I loved about Sunday school... And what I remember about it, I don't remember the crafts. I remember getting headaches when they would want to do crafts. I just didn't want to do that. But, but I loved the Bible stories. And, and they would have these things back in my generation, which is way, way back. They have these things called flannel boards. It's nothing like any of you guys would even understand. You'd have to Google it to even begin to figure it out. But we had these flannel boards where they like put these little figures on this thing. And they would kind of, I thought they were kind of floating in the air. It looked a little weird. But still, I loved those stories. Stories of people who lived in this faraway land. And these Bible heroes who were from a different culture and they all wore robes and sandals. And I remember looking at the toes on some of those guys. Man, they got big toes. But, but, uh, but they, they, I, I loved it because they thought, man, these people didn't even have any of our modern conveniences. And they were the stories of, of these, these people who faced failure and success and bumps and bruises and breakthroughs. And they also had, they, 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 they experienced the miraculous power and the intervention of God. I, I just love the stories. In fact, a lot of times I would get lost in my imagination listening to the stories of these people. And, and I'm going to be sharing some of those stories with you over the next several weeks. Uh, and one of those things I would just do is, is I'd kind of put myself, in a sense, kind of onto that little flannel board. I, onto that and, and just think of what it would be like to be an observer, to be in the crowd. And sometimes I would even put myself into one of those characters. What would it have been like to have been him? Uh, you know, I, I thought those Bible characters were all superhuman um, because, I, you know, when you listen to their sagas of how they made a difference in the world, I mean, they had to be. But as I got older, I began to read the stories on my own, and I began to discover that these were not superhuman heroes. Uh, they were heroes, yes, but they were very flawed. In fact, 
as I studied more, I began to find out that some of the things my Sunday school teachers didn't tell us is that, is that some of these people were severely flawed. Um, in fact, if, if uh, you know, if you were to, if they were to be here today and they would have done some of the things they did to, in today's world, most, most of us would reject them and possibly even reject their message altogether. So in the reality, I mean, the Bible is full of stories of normal people, but they accomplished extraordinary things through the power of God. Let me just make it more simple. They walked in their purpose. They were on mission. And then as I began to grow more and understand the scriptures more, I realized that these stories weren't just for Sunday school entertainment, but they were actually for us to learn from these Bible heroes. They were normal like us, yet extraordinary with faith. And, and uh, I believe that one of the challenges um, that's before us is we need to learn from these Bible heroes how we can actually allow God to do extraordinary things through us when we live on mission and live with purpose. I'm telling you guys, you can live on mission. You can live with purpose purpose. You can, it's up to you. You can allow God to work through you. And I'm going to make it clear. There is no limit as to what God can do through each one of us. Yet at the same time, Christianity gets a pretty bad rap, especially in our culture, Western culture, where in many ways, I guess you could say we're not really good at letting people know about the causes that really Christianity is all about. Um, in fact, one thing I think we need to be well aware of is that Christianity is the longest lasting, most effective, continually growing, yet imperfect, cause-oriented movement on the face of the earth. has been for 2,000 years. Yeah, I did say imperfect, though, because it's the imperfections that we get slammed for. Um, and we have plenty. I know, I know we're not Catholic, but I think we as Christians have to own up to the horrific abuses that some Catholic priests have allegedly unleashed on children right here in the United States. I just want to tell you guys, it's wrong. And justice must be served on behalf of those who are molested. Okay, but, but does that negate the message of Jesus? No. It seriously damages our witness, though. And, and uh, I don't think anyone should make excuses for what happened. It's just wrong on so many different levels. So, does that mean that... As some people in the church, uh, culture would say that all Catholic priests are pedophiles or that Jesus is a farce. Let's just, be, let's just talk about it. This is church. This is family. No, I don't think so. In fact, I, you know, one of my closest friends in the community is a Catholic priest. But the truth is, these actions of a very few, they poorly reflect upon all of us in general. We have to own that. 
Now, Christians also get slammed for other things that are not nearly as severe. Uh, these aren't on the same level as the accusations that are coming out of Pennsylvania right now. But, but these are rather the opinions and the perspectives of people regarding Christians. Some of these opinions are true. Uh, most of them are exaggerated. And most of these opinions that are in the culture, they only really represent a small minority of Christians. But, but uh, these notions about Christians are in people's minds regardless. Now, you guys know how, to, how a search engine works, right? You begin typing something in, and then it kind of it like auto-completes it to try to help you speed up your search. You know how that works. And, and that whatever's in there is, is based upon what people have been searching for, so your most popular searches immediately come up as you start typing in letter by letter by letter. Well, this past week, I did some typing, Got on my phone and I typed in, why are Christians so, take a look, most popular searches, why are Christians so judgmental, hateful, mean, stupid, <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I don't, you know, I'm not using these words just to say, that. I mean, but this is what other people have typed in, okay, intolerant, Annoying, easily offended, ignorant, and dumb. Now, this is what inquiring minds in our cultures want to know. And so I thought, well, let me just add a letter and see what the most popular one is. So I typed in the letter F. F. Why are Christians so fearful? (laughs) Fat. (laughs) That was funny. Fake. Full of hate. Then I tried R. Why are so many Christians full of, why are so, not full of, why are so many Christians so rude, racist, retarded? These are their words, not mine. As a battery on my phone continued to drain, and I was so glad that I was hooked up to Wi-Fi and not using data for this search because it was useless, I typed in W. Why are Christians so weird, weak? Typed in M. Why are Christians so mean, miserable, messed up, mean to non-Christians, mean to each other, mean to gays. Okay. Do you guys see the problem here? A lot of people are looking at Christians. And if you identify as a Christian, they're looking at you and they're saying, why? Can I ask you a question? Does this define you? I hope not. If it does, you know, just we'll, we'll talk later. We'll catch me after service. See, because of being a Christian and it's, it's original word. What it really means, the, when the word first came out, is actually in the Bible times, it meant like a little Christ, a smaller, like a miniature version of Jesus. That's really what it means. So if we were to go back to that, if that's literally what a Christian is, then we would have to say, or the, the, we would have to then say then that Jesus is mean to gays. Jesus is mean to non-Christians. Jesus is messed up. Jesus is miserable. Yes, Jesus is mean. Jesus is weird. Jesus is weak. Is he? Is Jesus rude? Is Jesus racist? Is Jesus retarded? Is Jesus fearful? Is Jesus fake? Is Jesus full of hate? Is Jesus judgmental? Is Jesus hateful? Is Jesus rude? Is he intolerant? Is he stupid? Is he annoying? Is he offended? Is he ignorant or is he dumb? Some of you are almost offended at what I just read. But I'm just telling you what the culture is putting out there. And if they put it to Christians, that means, that means you, these are the people that act like Christ. I want you to think with me. 
Where is the disconnect? Because those things are not true of my Jesus. None of them. When City Life started, it was paramount for me that we would do our very best to live out authentic Christianity, Jesus style. And I'll just tell you guys right up front, I don't want any of these attributes assigned to me or to us. And if uh, our motto around here, which is making Jesus known, if we're really going to do that, then we can't be like that because that's not Jesus. And in my opinion, it's time that the church, and let it be with us, that we rise up and that we truly make Jesus, the real Jesus, known by acting like the real Jesus. Yeah. So obviously there is a little bit of truth to those Yahoo searches. Um, there is. Come on, I've met some Christians like that. People call themselves Christians. I guess would be a better way to say it. Let me just ask you... How do Christians get so jacked up like that? Let's just be real. Well, here's what I believe. I think one of the reasons is because a lot of Christians, they will come to Christ and they find faith in Jesus and then they are told to or or they decide to isolate themselves and insulate themselves from the culture and they focused on getting blessed by God instead of just being instruments of God and they begin to turn sour. And it's really, really, really ugly. You know, in Israel, there's an illustration of this. It's actually in two different bodies of water uh, that, are, that are both fed by the Jordan River. One is called the Sea of Galilee. And then the, out of the Sea of Galilee, the water continues to flow into what's called the Dead Sea. Two very different bodies of water with the same river flowing into them. And they are an illustration of us as believers Will you be like the Sea of Galilee or the Dead Sea? And I want you to take a look at this contrast between the two. The music is cheesy. The video is cheesy. So don't, don't get on to me for that, but it makes good sense. Take a look at it. Receives water and gives out water. You see? Dead Sea receives and keeps. Kill it. I don't want to be a Dead Sea Christian. I want to be a Sea of Galilee believer, wouldn't you? See, I want to be used by God. In other words, I want God to flow through me into the lives of other people. And I'm telling you guys very clearly, that is my challenge for you today. Is to be a channel for God not a holding tank of God. Listen, if all we do is go to church and hide out with other Christians with no mission in our hearts to change the world that we actually implement with our feet, we will implode. My dad gave me some great words of wisdom growing up. And before I went to college to study for ministry, my dad said, first of all, he said, son, there's one thing 
you need to understand. You're going to get to college. You're going to see a lot of people that just like going to churches and experiencing whatever, whatever, whatever. And they're going to study and they're going to pray plan for a big ministry, but it'll never happen because they are not involved in a local church. He said, when you get your feet on the ground in DFW area, you find a church and you go to that pastor and you say, how can I serve? And if he tells you to empty the trash can, you do it every week with a, with a smile on your face because God has to use you or else you're going to be useless. Thanks, dad. You know what? Dad was right. 90% of the people that I went to college with to study for ministry are not in ministry today. That's my estimation. And yeah, I looked through an annual recently. You know, some feel like they, in order to grow more, they need to, they just need to keep going and doing these things that fill them up. And that's nice, but you really are supposed to do the opposite. You're supposed to do things for Jesus. In fact, the very best way to grow, hear me, the very best way to grow is to do. It is to be on mission and now do it. Even if it's not a huge one, you get on mission and you will not become stagnant. Now, Paul is my Bible hero that I'm talking about today, and he modeled this for us. Now, please let me illustrate this, and I've talked about Paul for the past several weeks. I'm really kind of transitioning with him today. Paul was a very, very, very bad guy. You can add a few more varies in there, but he was radically changed by the power of God, and, he, and, and what happened as a result of that, this, this God change in him impacted everything that he did forward. He wasn't just a recipient of the grace of God and the mercy of God and the love of God and the power of God and the healing of God. No, no, no. What he did is he received, but he let the power flow through him. He was a channel for God and not a holding tank. And Paul used, he, he, he used every human method available to him to get the message of Jesus out. He left the comfort of his hometown. And then Paul went into the cities. Paul went into the streets. Paul went on mission. Paul grew spiritually the entire time. His story's all through the New Testament. See, Paul didn't grow stagnant ever. Stagnant water... It sits, it receives, and becomes corrupt. Nothing healthy grows around stagnant water. Water on a mission, <laughs> you know, flows through. If water is flowing through, like the Sea of Galilee, it or you, you're teeming with life. Hey, if you want to grow spiritually, you need to go to the streets. You need to be on mission. Some of you here today, do you feel stagnant in your faith? Then be a giver. Give of yourself. Give of your resources. Give away the God that's inside of you. What will happen? You will grow. You will be refreshed and you'll be refreshing to be around. Life will actually come flooding to you. Now, let's take a look at what Paul said in Acts chapter number 20, verse 35. Look at this in your Bibles, because he's giving an example to other Christians, and he's using himself as an example. It's like, this is how to act. This is what we're supposed to do. Paul says this, Acts 20, 35, in everything I did, so he's putting himself up as an example, I showed you, 
In other words, he's not, he, he's, he's out in the open about what he's doing, okay? I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself says. It's like, and Jesus, in other words, he's saying Jesus' word trumps everything else. He said, here it is. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's powerful. Come on, say that with me out loud. Come on, with your, with your outdoor church picnic voices you'll be using next Sunday. All right, say it with me. It is more blessed blessed to give than to receive. Come on. That's, give, me, give me a better one. Give me a, like an AT&T stadium voice. All right, come on. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I like that. I like that. And to be honest, I've, I've been doing this pastor thing and minister thing for a long time, and I've seen plenty of different kinds of Christians. Uh, the ones who defy the terminology that, that's in those Yahoo searches or the Christians uh, and, and these Christians who live to give, these Christians who are on mission. And I'm telling you, those are the ones I'm attracted to. I used to be scared growing up of the mean ones, and I've seen plenty of them. <laughs> I learned it pretty quick by being around a pastor's home that if, if you're not on mission, you're going to get stale. In fact, me today, if, if I, Tim, if I'm not on mission, I get stale. I just want to tell you a little secret about pastors. I don't mind being authentic with you, but it's possible for a pastor to be doing what he's doing and not be on mission because the pastor has just decided to do this as a job. Okay? It's very possible. I'm telling you because I'm a pastor. I come from a pastor's home. I've been around pastors all my life. I have scores and scores and scores of friends who are pastors. I know this to be true. It is possible to preach every Sunday and do church and even smile at church, but not be involved in helping the poor. Even avoiding the unlovable. Or even neglecting to give toward God's work. Possibly even forsaking the opportunities right out in front to, to invite people to your church, telling everybody else to do it, or, or abandoning people in the community by not leading them to Jesus other than from the platform on a Sunday morning. It's possible to grow stale. Now, if I'm like that, we're in trouble. Um, I will quit growing, and it will impact our church. And, and the truth is, it'll be no matter how much I read the Bible, no matter how much, how many Christian podcasts I listen to every day, even if I'm listening to worship day and night and have it playing, and, and I have like the, the Hillsong channel playing 24 7 on my computer or my TV at home, you know what? It's not going to make me unstale. See, you grow best when you're on mission. I'll say it again you grow best when you're on mission. Are, are you on mission? That's my question. Are you? Are you serving God okay, through your local church? Are you ministering to the poor? Are you inviting people to church? Are you leading people to Jesus? Are you on mission? If you're feeling stale in your heart, it's a big sign you're probably not. One of the things I'm excited about is as we move into the fall weeks, uh, we're going to be emphasizing a lot of opportunities around us for us to be on mission. It's our annual Heart for the House season that we're beginning to move into. And, and with that are going to come a lot of opportunities for you to personally be on mission. 
Uh, we're working on some exciting things behind the scenes. going to start sharing some of them next Sunday that will help move your ministry and the ministry of City of Life to a whole new level for us to be on mission like never before because I want life. I want to be a life giver. See, all these words of Jesus that, that keep coming back to my heart, one that just keeps sticking out to me over and over and over is this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Trust me. Get on mission and give. Our city is growing rapidly. When we first started with a little nucleus here a while back, Fort Worth is the 16th largest city in America. We're the 15th, soon to become the 14th or the 13th, according to the mayor. It's, it's, it's moving. This downtown zip code is exploding quickly. It's, one, it's among the fastest growing neighborhoods in the, in the entire city. God is actually sending us people right here to this church. Therefore, we have a responsibility to be on mission. One of the things I talk about from time to time around here are uh, the seven cultural streets. These are the places to, to be involved. Every one of us are called to one, two, maybe even three of these cultural streets that, where we are supposed to be making Jesus known. You see, not everybody is supposed to be on the platform or singing or preaching, but you have a cultural street or two or three that you're responsible for. And that's where you make Jesus known. It's business. Second is government. Another is arts and entertainment. Another is education. Another is science and healthcare. Another is the church. Another is the family. Your, your cultural street is where God has called you and anointed you to influence and shape culture. Your cultural street is where you walk and where you brush up against other people. That is where you are to make Jesus known, not here. See, that's where you're on mission and and. And when you're on mission, when you're making the real Jesus known, <laughs> you're going to grow. It's going to be crazy. You're going to love it. Like, well, I, I'm afraid of, you know, letting people know out there in the community or out there on the street that I'm a, I'm a believer. Well, you don't have to go and be weird about it. Just be normal. But don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of just letting the light of Jesus shine out of you naturally, normally, on your culture. In fact, I love it how Solomon says, Solomon says that people who are afraid to get out on the street and do anything, they're sluggards. <laughs> he says, if Solomon says this, he said, a sluggard says, well, there's a lion in the road. There's a fierce lion roaming the streets. Spiritually speaking, I just want to say, don't be a spiritual sluggard. I'm not going to be afraid to go out into my cultural streets. That's where the action is, and that's where I'm on mission. I know what mine are, and I'm glad to be in the middle of them. Why are we on mission? It's because Jesus has done so much for every one of us. He's forgiven us, and he's, he's literally placed the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, in us. Think about this, guys. God lives inside of you. He doesn't live here in this building. He lives inside of you, and he has transformed our lives. And like Paul, Paul's life, it should motivate us to do something amazing for God. Yeah, Paul, he was a man on mission. And Paul was not afraid of the cultural streets that he interacted with. But Paul had previously been a really bad guy. I've told you that. You've heard the stories of him over the past few weeks. He, he was a religious guy and he was a mean guy. Um, he might have been a lot like those Yahoo searches that we saw earlier. In fact, Paul even described himself when he was in that, in that condition as the worst of sinners because this man 
knew his own heart and he was willing to just put it out there. Paul knew the sins that he had committed and also his sinful thoughts and motivations that were still that he was still struggling with that nobody even saw and we don't even know what they are. And when he examined himself, he began to see the depths of the personal battle and the sin that he was struggling with and temptation. And I want to listen, I want you to listen to what he wrote about himself in the Bible. This is good. This is Paul writing this. This is a major, major hero. He writes this to the Christians in Rome. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he's writing to these believers in Rome. And he's telling them about himself. And Rome was was the center of of corruption and evil. And the people in Rome were faced with all kinds of, of darkness. And he said this. He said, I do not understand what I do. For what I do... For what I want to do, I, I, I don't do it. And, but instead, I do what I hate to do. Paul says in Romans seven, seventeen, he says, As it is, it's no longer I myself who's doing it, but it's the sin that's living in me. He says, I know that good itself doesn't even dwell in me. Okay, wait, this is the guy. This is the man. This is the hero. He says, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what's good. Do you guys understand that? <laughs> I can't carry it out. I do not do the good that I want to do, but instead the evil that I do not want to do, and that I just keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who's doing it, but it's sin that's living in me that's doing it. So he says, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, and it's waging war against the law of my mind. And, and it makes me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And then he goes off and says the most crazy thing, but it's so true and it's so raw and it's so vulnerable. It's so real. It's so authentic. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? That's about as low as he can go, about as low as he can put himself. And then he switches, it all changes. And then he says, oh yeah, but thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes. You know, he says, I, because of that, I can soar. Because of that, I can be on mission. You see, no matter how bad he was, he knew this, Jesus was his source of deliverance. And I believe that same attitude is what kept God powerfully flowing through him up until the time of his death. It kept him on mission. It kept him on mission when he was in prison. It caused him to keep growing because God had forgiven him of so much and continued to forgive him of so much and continued to give him grace. He couldn't help but get out and be on mission for that kind of a God. Uh, The truth is, if we're really honest with ourselves, we should assess our lives the same way that Paul did. Uh, We know the depths of our own sinful heart. You don't have to tell everybody. Paul didn't tell us. But I'm just telling you this. It should not lead you to depression, but it should lead you to worship. It should lead you to mission. See, Paul knew that Jesus came to save him, him. 
and this knowledge of what God has done for him and continues to do for him, it caused him to live on mission for Jesus just like it should cause us to do so. I won't accept the answer that, well, you don't know how bad I've been. Well, you don't understand the grace of God. (laughs) You touch it, you taste it, you experience it. You're going to be changed. See, Paul could not help but give away what he had received. In one of the places in the scriptures, in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12, I want to read to you something else. He wrote this to one of the young pastors that he had discipled and had put in charge of the the church in Ephesus in, in Greece, another very, very wicked city. And he wrote some comments to him regarding what was happening inside of him. It's saved for us in the scriptures. He says, I thank, listen to this, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength. And he's considered me trustworthy and appointed me to his service. In other words, he said, I'm on mission. I'm on mission. And then he says, even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's saying, I have received so much of the goodness of God in spite of what a miserable person I've been. Then he says this, he says, here's a trustworthy saying. In other words, this is something you can apply to your life. He said, Timothy, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. In other words, you need to accept everything I'm saying right here. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I was shown mercy so that in me, again, the worst of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his immense patience as an example to those who would believe in him and then receive eternal life on mission. His life was on mission. His life was on display. What what has God done for you? Are you willing to relish it? To brag about what God's done for you? Are you willing to let his love and his grace and his life flow through you? If so, then be on mission. Let it flow through you. Yeah, simple things you can do. Real simple. On the way out, grab some of those invitation cards, invite some people to church next Sunday. That's not, don't be afraid. There's not a lion in the streets. <laughs> when you're getting these picnic cards at the door, take two or three extras and say, give me more, give me more, give me more, and see how many you can get out of the greeter, you know? And then take them and give them to some people and invite them. Do you realize that every year we've had our, our picnic, people will come and check us out who maybe have been invited to church many times but would never come because they, were, they didn't know what would happen. <laughs> and they come to that picnic and then they realize like, hey, wait a minute, wow. Uh, these are like, normal people bound together in the love of God and they sense God's presence and they open up to Jesus. It's happened every year. Will you be on a mission to make Jesus known? Do you want to grow in your faith? If you want to grow, then you're going to grow best when you're on a mission. You got to do it. It's time to grow. It's time to live on mission. 
declare with me, no more stale Christianity. No more lifeless religion. Go to the streets and be an influencer for Jesus and help people just to take one step, even if it's a tiny step, one little step closer to Jesus. That is being on mission on your cultural street. And in doing so, you are making Jesus, the real Jesus known. You're going to experience this surge of life like you've never known it before. Some of you, the way you need to break out of the staleness of the depression or the darkness, this is this feeling that's over you, is to, is to simply make Jesus known and be on mission and watch what will begin to change in your life. I'd like there to be no movement at this time. You guys just please take a moment and close your eyes and just focus internally. I want you to look at yourself for a minute, just like Paul did. Some of you, you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Some of you, you've drifted, you've moved away from your relationship with God. And, and if you want to know Jesus, if you want to know the Jesus that, that I talk about, if you want to know the Jesus of the Bible, the real Jesus, you want a new beginning, then I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond simply by lifting your hand. Know this, know this. Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you can have life and life to the full. And today, 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 it is time to live. If you'd like to be included in this closing prayer and make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, surrender your life completely to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand at the count of three so I can connect my faith with yours. Come on, one, two, three. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Who else? You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Now listen to me. If you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you, along with the entire congregation, to stand and pray with me. So let's do this right now. Come on, everyone stand. If you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this. Come on, church. Believers in this room, I want you to say these words with faith as well. Come on, pray this out. Pray it out. If you lifted your hand, say this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the future. I embrace the mission that you have for me. Thank you for giving me life in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a look at me. If you prayed that prayer, I have two things I'm going to ask you to do. Very simple things. One is to take the Connect card, mark on the front of it the decision you made today. Take it over to Connect because I want to help you in some next steps. Second thing I want you to do, number two is this, is I want you to be in church. I want you just to be in church for the next six months. You know, check it out, but also come and receive. And, and as you do so, you're going to see your life beginning to change. And I believe that you'll look back six months, uh, six months down the road, you'll say, wow, that was a very, very different person that walked into City Life Church back, on, back in September of 2017. I believe that will be the case because that's been the story of so many people who attend this church. God has a plan for you, and I want you to get into the middle of it. God wants to transform you, and God wants to give you a mission. It's time for your life to count. I believe it with all my heart. Do you guys believe that? Do you believe it? Come on, I want you to sing this song one last time. Jordan, guys, lead it. Come on, let's do it. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. 
You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a, a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You can also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.